0: Welcome to the Creative Endeavor podcast. This is the podcast bringing you inspiring stories from creative professionals from around the world. It's real conversations with real artists. And I'm Andrew Tischler, and it is such a pleasure to have your company here once again. In this episode, I'm talking to TJ Cunningham. He's an amazing painter based in the United States, originally from Vermont. Now, you know the drill it's time for that creativity to start flowing, get those brushes ready, get some fresh paint out on the palette and put the coffee on and let's talk to TJ Cunningham. It's really hard to get a big head these days as an artist when you're following people like TJ Cunningham who are just producing amazing paintings that are just so full of color and life and executed with an amazing technique. I'm really blown away by TJ's technical approach to painting, he gets out some really interesting tools to apply that paint he gets quite experimental with his approach to his landscapes and some of the livestock portraits that he paints you should check out some of those portraits that he does of sheep there's something to behold you'll never look at a sheep the same way again they just have such a presence and personality and they're painted with such character soul and feeling in addition to the shop talk, which I always appreciate, and I'm sure you do too, we also talked about the business side of art and how TJ approaches galleries, commissions, but also how he faces a changing world and how he takes advantage of some of the online platforms that are available today. This was great to have a chance to connect with him, and I got a lot out of this conversation. I hope you will, too. Now, look, you're listening to the audio version of the podcast, but there is an exclusive video version of this podcast, and it's only available on my Patreon page. In addition to the video of the creative endeavor, you're going to find Q&As, critiques, reference packs, and time lapses. And I share this with my patrons over there every single week. There's more content there than you can shake a brush at. So if that sounds like you then you'll find that, and it's only five bucks a month. Check out that link that is in the description that accompanies this podcast. Now, if you enjoy The Creative Endeavor, then please take a moment to leave me a rating or a review on whatever platform you're listening on. It makes a huge difference to the show. And also, share this with a friend. I really appreciate that. And if you're gonna share it to Instagram, use that hashtag, The Endeavor. Now, without further ado, let's bring him on and get inspired. Here's TJ Cunningham and the creative endeavor. T.J., welcome to the Creative Endeavor podcast. Such a pleasure to finally meet you. I've been following you for a while on the socials. I'm blown away by your work. Um, Welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, look, um, I, I, I really do like to kick things off this way, because here on the podcast, it's not just about the art and the painting. It's about the artist as well. And I find artists' stories and their their origins so interesting as to how, how you got into this thing, because let's face it, being an artist is kind of weird. I mean, there's there's a few of us, even though, I mean, we're all connected on social media and you get artists right. with like hundreds of thousands of followers and all sorts, but, but it's kind of a rare job, isn't it? So how did you first start this? Where did the journey start for you? What was it like growing up? Just fill us in on the on the backstory to TJ Cunningham.
1: Well, so I I it's kind of it's one of those stories that can be told two different ways, right? So the one side of it is my my grandfather was a painter and my great grandmother was a painter, and then back to actually connections with um, John Singer Sargent. And, you know, there were a couple of, I didn't see them. They got auctioned off before before I even knew, would have known what I was looking at. But there were a couple of Sargent drawings in my grandmother's house and just sort of like, so there was this art thing, right? And so that I think made it acceptable. Like there was never any like, you know, my grandfather was a painter, maybe I'll be a painter, you know, kind of thing. Um, But then the other side of that was just, you know, a very natural, I love to create. And I'm one of those, I've gotten better, but I I like, I could not read as a child. Like, I just couldn't read. I just, I mean, if I, I, I could physically do it, but I hated it. I absolutely hated it. I looked at all the pictures. If ever I wanted to explore something, it was doing something with my hands, creating something. So that led into some sculptures. And I was a dishwasher at a diner when I was 17. And uh, I had this Tyrannosaurus Rex sculpture and I I was making like five dollars an hour or something and I sold it for a hundred dollars put it next to the cash register and it sold in this little country diner and I thought well you know I guess being an artist won't be that difficult I'll go study art in college and so that's that's kind of the those are, the, those are the the two channels that led to, I'm gonna go study art. And it was a commercial art degree, bachelor of science. It wasn't an art school, um, but I I got into oil painting. It was just one of those, like, I'll always remember it. Like I was painting a pear and it's like, this is it. <laughs> like once I touched oil painting, I'm like, this is it. This is what I'm going to do. Um, and it's just been, you know, uh, uh, staying in the game since then,
0: so. Excellent. Oh man, that's amazing. What describe that feeling though? Like when you made that sale of that T Rex next to the cash register, what was that like? Was that that must have been a real light bulb moment for you?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was. It was. It was just this absolute determination. Like, okay, this happened, so now I'm going to study art. It was like all the the sort of because you when you're 17 and you don't know what to do, and and -hmm. I heard every you know starving artist like you know the first thing I think maybe I'll study art I'm like oh well you know you won't make any money until you're dead you know like the all the stock answers that you get when you say you want to pursue art um so I was it was I was apprehensive about it but then it's just like you know it's the first time I've ever tried to sell artwork and a hundred dollars is a lot of money when you're making five dollars an hour washing dishes you know so
0: Yeah, man, that's a lot of hours. This is it.
1: it. Yeah, this is it. So, and and I just, I just, I don't think I ever like there were some things that I was interested in history and like the freshman drawing classes, you know, like were pretty pretty scary. So, I had like a backup plan that I would be like a history teacher or something, which wasn't very well thought through, but it was just sort of a plan
0: B. So, brilliant. So so your your college background, like when you started studying, you know, was there much of a connection when you when you were in those early kind of university days? What was it? I mean, here in in Down Under and I I got a weird accent because I'm Texan, but I grew up kind of in Australia and then here in in New Zealand for a time and now I'm back in New Zealand. So university is different and college is actually high school that's uh so they they got the their terms gotcha. down here all mixed up. So when I think of college, you know, I'm like okay, what what college are we talking about here? So so when you were studying, this was a tertiary institution that offered art, but then you say there's a science connection there too. So how 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 did you find those university early university days, did they set you up for, for being a professional or was there more study that you had to do post that before you kind of found your feet in terms of the art business side of things?
1: Well, it was a four-year degree. Um, and, and bachelor of science, meaning I had to take, uh, like English lit math classes and science classes and all sorts of electives and art was sort of, it was my mate. I majored in commercial art, but it wasn't like I was, like in a studio, painting all day. There were tons of other things to do, and so it was a little bit more well-rounded. Um, maybe I mean, I think it was. Um, and so that's that's what I was doing. It didn't really. So it, it was helpful in that we took design classes and photography classes, and just you know a little bit more than just being able to paint after four years and graduating. But as far as the art business, like I had a very. Uh, had a very you know you, you 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 create a good portfolio in co- in, in college uh, in those 4 years i was 20 well, i guess i was 21 ish when i graduated 22 just about to be 22 um so created a strong portfolio get into galleries paint and that was sort of the whole business plan we had one half of a class that was dedicated to the you know like if you sell the painting for this much the galleries take this much and you've got to put a frame on it you got to pay taxes and on on down and so you're left with wow. you know five dollars or whatever one class uh, yeah well no it was it was one period during one meeting of one class right it was just an hour right so that's
0: it you're you set know, up we now go yeah, to work I,
1: I we were we were not <laughs> we were not prepared um necessarily i can't think of anything that you know because the the thing with teachers is they're teachers you know and so like you know we're it's just it's it's harder to give advice when you haven't been through the ringer um so um so anyway but i had the good fortune again um and this is providential i think of uh, I went to a figure drawing class the summer before I graduated and I just said, hey, you know, it was a little little gallery, I just said, hey, could I have a show here? Uh, and she said yes. And so I, uh, the August after I graduated, so the, the summer that I graduated, I had a, a show there and put up all my schoolwork and a lot of it sold, like half the show sold and they were pretty, you know, some of them were like $150 and it wasn't like, you know, but again, for me, like you know, I I never had a real job at that point. I was just like school, you know, high school jobs and then college jobs. So it was like, okay, all right. And so, you know, a little bit of a, a little bit of a false, like, um, impression of how easy it would be to make it in the art world, but it was enough to get me going.
0: That's awesome, man. That's awesome. I'm looking at your work now. And I do want to spend some time talking about some of these things that really inspire you because you i'm going to drop a name here uh, recently i had on the podcast stephanie page thompson um oh yeah. and, and her paint application is just out of this world and i i, I look at yours your paintings in a, in a very similar way you can see that kind of that sergeant-ish vibe coming through, that loose application of the brush strokes and stuff, but it's uniquely you. I haven't seen anybody else do it this way. And I do want to take some time to to, to really geek out about art with you because I also I must say I love your choice of subject, which is phenomenal. Um, how do you go? Like, what what were some of those subjects that that you were choosing straight out of school? How's your has your style in art? evolved since um since graduating from that that college kind of period uh, have, has it has it kind of come around because how do you go from t-rex to painting yeah. a barn and and sheep and these beautiful bl- birds and jays on a bow and buttermilk falls i'm looking at here just stunning stunning work
1: yeah before the poor t Rexes went extinct and never came back they were <laughs> <laughs> <That's very good. laughs> there was a uh, yeah so um, the that so I went to school and I'm from Vermont, which is New England. You're from Texas, mm-hmm. um, so I, I don't know if you ever been to New England in uh, northeast United States.
0: Never been. So it's no. just
1: this super picturesque. Um, I grew up on a street, or at least a half. Like until I was nine, I was on this street where there was a farm right across the road. They would close the road in the morning briefly and herd the cows all down to the pasture so they could, you know, be on pasture all day and then they would close the road in the evening and bring them back. Right. So that's kind of, you know, in the, in the backdrop of my formation. So I just, I love that, you know, rural American, rural, anything really, just the rural landscape where human beings are really connected to the land. So that's always been very appealing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so then going to college, uh, my teachers loved Richard Schmidt, right? They just loved Richard Schmidt. And you know, when you don't—I mean, I—I lo- I still love Richard Schmidt, obviously. But but when you don't know anything at all, and then all of a sudden it's like these beautiful, painterly paintings in a book that tells you how to make them. And he was—he spent a lot of time in New England as well, so there was sort of this connection with subject matter. So, hey, I'll paint barns all you know these rural scenes you know and i started really pushing in that direction and so but then but then there was a transition and i was a portrait painter and i did uh commission portrait work and really honed those skills i was really inspired by sergeant so i sort of had these you know um two things going on and then i had the good fortune of uh, i studied three weeks with a with an artist who lives in Maine named Stephen Heilman and he's also just a wonderful landscape painter and he introduced me to T. Allen Lawson. Um and that and Tim's work is just, you know, I still I I look at it all I can. His his work's amazing. So that's kind of the evolution, those quiet rural landscapes and uh the animals come into play really at the beginning of COVID. I I had almost completely stopped painting animals and I I just was painting the landscape and just being in the house and watching the birds and you know I just so I just started painting birds and loved it and then the people who collect my work loved it so I painted I you know and just started to explore and realized how much I missed putting the highlight in an, in a, a living eye you know like that wet yeah. glossy glow in an eye mm. uh, You know, but I don't want to paint portraits at all. I don't really want to paint people at all. And, uh, but these birds, and then, and then the sheep were, and and the other things, I guess it's mostly sheep right now. I went to a farm and stayed there for 10 days and they had sheep. And it's just like watching them, especially in the evening with that, the sort of glowing sunlight on those, you know, they kind of have ochre color wool against all those cool blue shadows in the grass. It just, it's like, this looks really good. So I'll paint these, you know, and it's just kind of, and then, and, and again, the the people who collect my work really liked it. So it's sort of like that, you know, and then, so, so it's sort of like a, um, you know, if I paint something and nobody likes it, I'm like, well, you know, I'll keep that one. You know, I don't like turn it into a series. But you know, if I if I get a lot of interest in something that I just continue painting it. So um, I guess that's, I don't if I lost the question a little bit there. No, but.
0: no, that that's, that's fine. Um, no, I just I, I enjoy hearing the backstory there. That's, that's great. But you did just say something there that um, so I've struggled with this personally. And I, I've, I've riffed on this with many artists that have been on the creative endeavor so far is that you know when you get a positive response or feedback from the marketplace and then you you continue to paint the same thing um you know joe Paquette and i we we had this back and forth on that about um you know the external versus the internal those driving motivating factors um and there's a certain you know raw kind of uh, truth seeking that comes from just doing what you really want to do versus you know responding to a marketplace and providing a product for them but i always find it doesn't matter what we do as artists it's a bit of a dance isn't it you know you've got your foot in the business side of things trying to make it work as a business and actually derive an income so you can feed your kids you know and, and keep a roof right. over your head but at the same time it's like yeah but i i'm also an artist and i feel feels and i gotta get those feels onto the canvas because that's true man and and it, it's it's this impossible possible position that I think we're in. Um, And it's interesting to hear you say that. So how does that work for you? Do you do you ever get uh, bored of a particular subject? Or are you one of these guys that uh, and I'm making an assumption here, because looking at your work, I assume that you are because I I don't know what it is that comes through your paintings. You you feel it looking at your work, it feels like you're all in. There's nothing here that looks like it's phoned in. It's like, it's like this is a raw expression of the way I feel about sheep. But then there's a dozen other sheep paintings, but everyone just shows a little something different. I, I don't know. How do you feel about that?
1: Yeah. So um I'm kind of giving the game away. But
0: do it. Uh, That's what we're for here me, for.
1: <laughs> for me, it's like a it's like a it's a Venn diagram where the circles overlap, right? Um, and for me, it's like what I want to paint, what my customers want as far as subject matter, and then what I can paint, right? So, like there are things that I don't feel at all qualified to paint yet, right? And some things are in the works. Some things have been in the works forever. Um, but, you know, I just, I don't, I, I don't, uh, I'm not ready, you know. Mm-hmm. And most of it is just, it's not that I can't get an image and reproduce the image. It's just like, I just don't know what it feels like, right? Like, I can't, I can't, uh, like sheep, I, I a, a job even before dishwashing was cleaning up after sheep right? So I'm very familiar with sheep, right? I paint them until I can smell them. And I'm like, okay, the painting's finished, right? Like you can just tell, you know, this is what a sheep looks like. This is what a sheep smells like. And so there's that. And then, you know, it's a little bit, it's a little bit trickier with the, what people want, because I don't really, I haven't really created too many paintings. That well, I guess I've found enough people so that I'm painting what I want, and there are a lot of people that are interested in that. Um, I guess that's that's kind of it's not like, um, I'm trying to think of an example like, you know, hey, we we saw that street scene, can you can you paint a bunch of street scenes? Like, everybody wants a street scene. And they're like, you know, that's not happening to me, you know. And I think yeah. it's partly because I don't really paint street scenes. And if people were asking me to paint street scenes, I'd be like, maybe, but I, I got to finish this sheet painting first, you know, right? Like, <laughs> it's just not like, it's just, you know, I I, I, I hope that makes sense. It is, it is a tricky thing. Um, but I am painting these things because I really want to paint them. So that's i guess that's
0: a yeah no that that that's, uh, it totally it. totally makes sense um but it's uh and again you know so you're holding on to your your artistic integrity there um mm-hmm. I, I i've been asked by agents uh, i'm not going to throw my current agent under the bus um Or mention his name andreas um but you know it's like hey you know we need another we need we need some waves now we need some mountains now it's like dude i'm I'm doing this right now you know Um, right but but i also don't want to be ungrateful to the people that are you know requesting these things because you know i've got some really wonderful collectors who make my life possible but i always find it's it's just this impossible position of trying to balance and wear so many different hats as an artist you know you're 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 a technician when it comes to oil painting you're you know involved in the material of it you're also wanting to say something deep uh, about the subject matter then you're you're putting on your business hat now you got to go and market this thing now you got to go and deal with people and now you got to worry about this and now oh now it's time to do the accounts you know it's just so many different things that we do as an artist that just ultimately um it, it's it's I find it very difficult to transition and go back into that raw creativity. Um, And and I find the one thing that just makes it a little bit worse for me, just speaking personally here, is that, you know, or, or more difficult, I should say, um again don't want to sound ungrateful even though I am kind of sounding ungrateful right now is is continuing to to paint these things and and requests I, I I've I've now just said you know commissions are closed I'm not I'm not doing any more I'm not doing any more commissions I'm, I'm gonna do what I want to do for a while but I, I in looking at your work you know the it, it it feels to me this is the thing I find so so interesting about it and so inspiring about it is that each one of these paintings appears like an experiment and an exhaustive study of something you know again whether it's a sheep or a bird it's it's it feels like a disciplined study of the thing and almost a homage to it and um the other thing that I think is is quite important for the artist to do um and again not to not to kind of blow our trumpet here but it's it the 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 thing I think it's important to do is take these things that most people overlook and celebrate them you know how many people like how many I I gotta just make a mention of the painting that's behind your your left shoulder there uh, of the of the sheep just on the on the easel yeah how many how many you know formal portraits of sheep do 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 you see but it's just stunning it commands respect it's amazing
1: yeah thank you yeah i uh the uh the real sheep's name is cauliflower nice she lives in vermont yeah but uh but i i i think i'm gonna name the painting lady Anne because she just looks like she's a border lester so she's uh an english breed and she just looks like royalty to me <laughs> <laughs> and That's i definitely awesome. you know you can't you can't paint you can't paint uh a profile against a dark background without thinking of Sergeant a couple times, right? Like it's impossible. Right. You know, right. like his, you know, so I am, I am thinking like that kind of thing. Like it's just, it's a portrait. And I think that's that's the thing. There was a, there was a, and I was joking with friends, like I really did love figurative work when I graduated. I wanted to paint the portrait, I wanted to paint figurative paintings, I loved all the big name, you know, um, portrait. But well, really, figurative painters, and uh, and this is an oversimplification, and I'm not trying to belittle anyone at all here. But I was looking at all the paintings being created, and I was joking with a friend and say it's like it's either Pollyanna or Hugh Hefner, right? She either looks like she's from you know 1901, and she's wearing this like vintage thing, or you know it's a naked 19-year-old, right? Like it's just there's no, it doesn't feel like there's any middle ground, like, and, and, and that was part of the reason why it's just like, it just didn't feel like there was a place for me, like, I just didn't feel like there was something that I could really get my hands to, and, that, and now it's like, I just, I'm, I'm even deeper in that, like, I'm just not interested anymore, I really, I, I just, you know, yeah. I don't look at figurative yeah. work anymore, yeah. the, the sheep are my opportunity to, like, take all of that figurative painter portrait painting desire and just really, you know, unhindered. This is exactly what I want to say about this creature. And I, you know, there's so many other things that I want to paint. I'm just on sheep right now, you know, but it's like that, you know, it's not, it's not trying to be anything. It's just how, how can I take this, this, this creature and just portray it with all the excellence I can muster, with the same intensity that I would have if I were commissioned, you know, to paint this really important portrait or something like that. Like, like I'm all I'm all in on every single one of these. And it's really nice to do. And this is the fun about doing a series: is you get to um, experiment. You know, I was just on YouTube watching. Um, uh, it was it was about filmmaking and how filmmakers handle color and why color looks so good movies you probably know all about this already but it was the it was 60 30 10 rule and you know i i sort of intuitively picked up on a little of it but it's like okay here it is all laid out i'm like all right well i'm gonna apply this to the painting i'm working on like right away like immediately and i just want to see these colors work it's like okay that is that does work right and so it's just the the subject matter for the oil painter is almost like a a vehicle right this is just i'm a realist i want to keep my drawing skills really really sharp and i want to sharpen them i want to be better at drawing and and presenting my subject but for me it's always it's a combination between a beautiful presentation of your subject and then a beautiful presentation of your medium and doing so many because i'm working from photographs a lot with these sheep like i used to paint from landscapes from life a lot more than i do now i have lots of studies that i can look at but i do i do paint from photographs and that's kind of liberated me to really push away into what i think the colors should be and i'm tweaking things a lot more because all i have to base them on is the photographs so i'm kind of riffing on that um, and i'm able to explore that it's just it's a delight you know i'm really I'm loving it. So
0: that's awesome, man. And it's so cool. I got to say again, it's so cool to tell when you, you know, when you can tell by looking at somebody's work that they're all in and they love it. That's awesome. (laughs) Cause I, I can certainly tell I'm looking at, I've just pulled up another, Another it is so stinking cool, dude. Um, to borrow Thomas Hardy's phrase here, but it's it's so cool. Yeah, like your your choice cool of uh, he's a good dude. He, th- this this uh, your choice of color here, you know, on this barn. Now, now let me let me get the title of this. Um, and and people watching the video or or listening to the audio version of this, you go pull up right now cunninghamfineart.com and just have a flick through the gallery here of paintings. You're gonna be blown away. Now, I'm looking at right now for four flocks now. Is that am I getting oh, that yeah. title right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so the the way that sunlight just zings off that red barn, the the relationship of that red to the to its complementary opposite of being the green, this subdued nature of the sky and the hills beyond, it just creates this bam punchy impact. So so explain this to me. So you got you, your 60, 30, 10. I, I, got, I, I have not heard that before. I've got some understanding of how opposites are used in film and in particular lighting, like most sci-fis that you'll watch, you know, look mm. out for the blue and orange relationship or the green-red relationship. They'll, they'll play these off or yellow-violet relationship. You know, a lot of alien type movies will use almost a greenish teal kind of light with a brilliant orange, like, and, and you always imagine like there's the monster there, it's glowing. There's this blue, like little fine highlight on, on the skull or the the head of this thing. And then you get the red flashing warning light that just illuminates it every now and again. It's that pop of two opposite colors, but how does that work yeah, yeah. for a 60, 30, 10 rule? Can you explain that to us in a little bit more depth?
1: Wow. Okay. Well, the best thing to do would be to share the YouTube video that I just barely
0: watched. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know with
1: uh, with you, but uh, um, so so the idea that sixty percent of the painting, or the set, but the painting for us is one color, and it can be variations of value, but it's you know it's all the sixty percent of it's orange or sixty percent of it's green, then thirty percent, as I understood, would be the complement of that, and then the there's a really strong third color in 10 percent so um be easy just can i just grab a painting
0: do it so this is the
1: one this is the one i'm playing with with that and so i've got orange being the 60 percent and I pushed this blue gray. And this go ahead and no, hold
0: that a little bit closer up to us. So up to that, that camera. And there we go. Now we're centered. Ah, yeah, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. I really hope okay. folks are watching the video version right now, which is exclusively on my Patreon page. So find that link accompanying this podcast and you'll get to see this amazing painting. So carry on TJ. Yeah,
1: thanks. So, so, so orange, blue. The blue is a- approximately thirty percent, right? So, and then that pink nose is just that that one push of color, and I and I'm going to push it a little bit more. She's obviously not finished yet, but that's that's the idea. And so, setting up this sort of sweeping design, uh, I always like to be able to turn my paintings, you know. And it's an interesting design, no matter which way yeah, you look at it.
0: Y- you look at it differently as soon as it's inverted or on its side. You look at it as a series of abstract shapes, right? But you that's that's, mm.
1: the, that's the idea with the color. So Brilliant. that just meant for me that I'm really grouping the, 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 the ochre colors together a lot more. And then um, really simplifying anything that would happen back here or down here into that blue color as the complement. And then I'm going to push that red as hard as I can. Um, and so it's, it's not looking great on a, on a webcam here, but that gives you the idea. Yeah,
0: it's cool, man. I, I really, no, thank you for showing us that. That's a beautiful painting too. Wow. Wow. Okay. So, so now, now let, let's, a big thing that I, that I really, I love talking about this because it, what what this does is it it unlocks some things for people that are that are listening to this in terms of the the um, the business side of of art. Um, and w- what I find is that, you know, we've all heard, um, you know, TJ, you and, and and the listener as well, like we have all heard those cliches you know you're you're if you do this you're going to starve to death nobody makes it until after they're dead uh you know yeah i I hope you get used to washing dishes or making coffees or or down under they call it pulling beers you know you got that handle that lever you know right right all all the cliches and things um or you better go into teaching because that's the only way you're going to make it as an artist is to be some bitter and twisted teacher (laughs) you know in some tertiary institution um but but here you are doing it, obviously invested in, in in what you're you're creating, producing beautiful work, and it's working for you as, as a business, you know. So how does this? How did you? When did that shift actually occur? Like after you know you, you made that first sale, you know you're in college, and then you start as a as a professional. How did how did that transition happen? And the second part i want to ask you and we can pick this up as well is how do you maintain that today like what are some of the the tricks that you use to continue to make sure that you you stay motivated you stay creating you keep producing work in the studio like so how does this work for you and how did you get started from a business standpoint
1: sure so the the start was the um all the on-ramps for me were into the gallery business model. So then you have um, an agency repping for you. And so that, that was how I started. And uh, I probably wasn't very professional at all in the beginning. You know, I remember, you know, I showed up with work like a week and a half late for a show because I like I didn't I missed an email or something like that and then they were like well it's okay we'll put it up anyway like that kind of stuff I mean so you just kind of learn from mistakes and um that was that was the the way that I was doing it and then I was teaching workshops so um, galleries the the gallery relationship model. Um, just felt like it wasn't succeeding very much. Um, so I thought I need more galleries, right? If I have a lot of galleries, um, and then so I, I think I made it to six or seven different galleries, and I'm just trying to get enough work out there so that I'm getting something like consistent sales. And uh, things were, you know, they they were doing a good job, and some of the galleries that I was working with there at the end were just great. You know, they're wonderful people. I'm still in touch with them. Um, but um, it kind of it kind of stopped working for me at the beginning of COVID. And that was really, it was a, a sort of a knee jerk reaction. I was just afraid that, you know, cause all I could think was, you know, all the horror stories I've heard about the great crash of 2008 for galleries where, you know, you had galleries go under and they went under with all their artists work aboard. You know, like the artists never got their work back. I mean, it's just like an endless string of stories you hear about this kind of thing. So I'm like, I gotta at least get most of my work back to me, because all the you know, all the galleries that I was working with are in cities that were particularly, and I know you've experienced this too, like it it's shut down. Nobody's coming in, nobody's going out, and we just we couldn't see the future. So no,
0: shut down. It was yeah. a pretty
1: big reaction. It was a pretty big reaction, and I just pulled out and started selling online. And, uh, you know, a lot of things happen. And I'm really, I gotta say that um, there's sort of like the, the overarching, the overarching uh, attitude that I want to have, like toward everything that I've been able to enjoy is gratitude, right? Like, I'm not a self-made man. Like, I'm not like, I figured it out. I sat down, you know, I worked hard, like, you know, you do work hard and you do figure things out. But in the end, like I'm just grateful for what I've been able to learn and what I've been able to do. So anyway, I was able to transition to selling online, and uh, it's a it's a it's a crazy thing when you start selling online and um, you're not giving galleries the 50% commission anymore. So it's just like, <laughs> wait, I have 100% more money literally you know and uh and I know the and now I know my customer right like I had no idea you know these people were buying my art i didn't know anything about other than like a handful like a dozen people i knew because of the the, the agencies are so careful to keep the art because of people like me right they keep their artists and their customers separate um and so it just it just worked and and i and i just shifted I shifted out of the galleries like throughout twenty twenty, you know, because at the beginning it was just knee jerk and panic and my goodness gracious, what are we going to do? And then and then it just was like this works better. And then I just slowly pulled the rest of my work out and uh, and I've just been I've been selling through my website since then. So that's kind of and the uh, the actual you asked about evolving as a business like. I am still, you know, like I I said, I said, I didn't like to read as a kid. Like my penance is now I am like getting everything I can get my hands on to try and figure out how how to do all this stuff, you know, because it's a totally different skill than drawing value edges and color.
0: Mm. Yeah, it certainly is. Man, I've been on a steep learning curve since about 2016. And um, yeah. you know, I, I'm also a slow learner because I, I I lost my business and went broke twice, and uh, where the bottom fell and out this business. thing. Oh yeah, yeah, no, no, went completely broke. And um so I basically when I when I started out and people who listen to the podcast or are, are kind of know a bit of the background would have heard this story before, but I'll I'll make it brief. But basically, you know, the same global financial crash stuff, you know, all my eggs were in that basket in that business model that you're describing, you know, of, of of representation and um It's it's not so much that the galleries kind of went bust. They were going bust all around that area, but the buyers dried up. But in Western Australia, we were insulated from the fallout, the immediate fallout of of the, the crash of 08. It didn't catch up, it would seem, until about 2012. And we were insulated from a strong resource sector. But what actually stopped it was China just made a decision that they would stop buying so much iron ore. And that was the backbone of the Western Australian economy was iron ore. It was all coming out of the right. desert in Western Australia. And now suddenly they're like, yeah, we're, we're gonna half our order or take it down to a third or whatever. And the wholesale executives, employees, boom. It was just, there was money everywhere in western australia at that time you couldn't walk down the street without picking up 150,000 dollars on the side of the road now i, I say that tongue in cheek but you had like garbage collection or sanitary experts or whatever working on the mines up there or people just driving a truck or whatever making 150 grand a year and a lot of these people right. would be like yeah i want a cool painting of the pilbara or the kimberly hanging in my 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 living room But those were the first people that got got fired. And a lot of these people, you know, good people were were my my clients. And they were just gone. Like in one night, I still remember, like, it it was like less than a 24-hour period. We had a waiting list of people, and it was cut in half. Whereas I was was looking at like a full year booked up for work. Now it's like six months. And then it starts getting whittled down from there. It was scary, man. It was scary. And then, and so... I'm scared listening to it. (laughs) Yeah, man. And then you're looking at this going, oh, wow. Because I... And and this was really hard for me to overcome personally, because I was looking at the situation going, well, this is easy. And and I did find it easy. You know, I could paint reasonably well. I wasn't as good as I wanted to be. I'm not as anywhere near where I want to be now. Um, but I, at the time, I was producing a quality product. I was getting good money for it. And so in my mid-20s, you know, coming away from a, a sellout show or a commissions or whatever, it just became normal for me. I took it for granted and I did not prepare for the future. So when the bottom fell out of it, uh, I, I was left in a position where the, the, I think the low point was when I started my YouTube channel and started those initial videos going, what the heck am I going to do now? I was forced to move online. People don't know, but I was living in my studio. My wife and I were living in the studio because we we uh, could no longer afford rent. So we were living in a factory unit that essentially had a, a sink and a shower unit in the back of the factory unit. And we, we tried to build it out and fix it up. And it was Okay. But then from there, just kind of built it up and up and up. and the, the online model I, I, I'm, I've almost become evangelistic about online models now uh, to a point. I'm concerned about where it's going now. I'm very concerned with it because I think that I, just to qualify that, I mean I, I think what's happening is is slowly but surely they're're they're, they're bringing the digital and the biological together and they're about ready to merge them and they've told us that they're going to do that. So that that's a point where where tish is out. <laughs> tish is hands off, you know. I'm 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 out, you know. So I I see that day happening very soon. Um but I I you know, I, in the meantime right now it's the the going's good and and I think everybody needs to get online. So that's just my own personal uh, point of view on that one.
1: Man, that's a That's a crazy story. I had no idea. I had no idea. Wow. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because a lot of people severe though. I I really when
0: when people saw the first YouTube videos, it was kind of like, oh, this guy's kind of weird. You know, what what what's his story kind of thing? And then I just started putting up more and more videos, but that nobody really knew that I had a whole backstory of like I I actually had a name in WA. I I was producing work and I was, you know, doing great. And then it just Finished in a little place yeah. like Western Australia. I mean, nobody even knows there's a city on the west coast of, of Australia, um, down kind of towards the south called Perth. It's like, I thought Perth was in, in uh in the UK somewhere or whatever, you know. It's like, no, no, there, there's a Perth in Western Australia. It's a very isolated city. There, there are people in Perth right now listening to this, pulling out their hair, going, How dare you? But I mean, come on, admit it. I mean, if you're listening to this and you're from Perth, it's an isolated city, you're in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> No one's coming for you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I love wow. Perth, man. I miss it. I miss that city, but it's it's a cool place, cool place to grow up. And
1: that's where you re that's where you restarted, though.
0: That's where you like
1: started a YouTube channel and. Uh, no, no, actually, no. So, business. N-
0: no, no, no. I, I started my YouTube channel in a factory unit in Dalesford, Victoria, and I was um I I so so Victoria was on the opposite side of the country. So I got my start in my career in Perth then sh- shipped it across trying to find home in australia we went to queensland and then we went to uh victoria which so melbourne is basically the big city that, in the state of victoria everybody knows where mm-hmm. melbourne is um and that's south of sydney and um so i i had kind of gotten my start uh or, or i i i kind of found my feet in the digital world there, but I started with zero followers, zero subscribers, just built it from scratch all over again. And that was 2016 when that happened. Yeah.
1: Dude. Well, well done. Well done.
0: That's a good, that's a, (laughs)
1: always, it's always a good story to hear. Like, uh, when somebody came back, you know, (laughs) they keep getting up.
0: Yeah. They keep getting up. Look, look, man. I mean, but this is a thing. I mean, I, I think we, uh, our lives are a story aren't they in a way and um you know it's it, it, the nature of reality i'm starting to find is struggle and uh and there is an element of pain uh, there to it i mean I, I i i i think that the christian walk as well like it's it's the nature of reality is to suffer in, in a way but you know you, you try to handle it with a a sort of gratitude and a grace you know it's as you were saying before you know it's it's your you know, your personal, you know, philosophy of being grateful. I love that, man. You know, we can't, we can't, we can't forget that, can we?
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, you know, um, with the always, like, it's kind of, it can all just be taken away. Yeah. You know, like you just, you just, you get, you got to hold on to it lightly because it's just, you know, like, you know, I I have a, I have a, I had a dear friend who I'm older than he was now when he passed, but I remember talking to him and he had just such, cause he had it, he was, he was in a business with his dad and they were doing high-end stuff um, with, uh, with electronics, electrical systems, like for, you know, I, I did, I won't say anymore because I'm not quite sure what he was doing, but it was, you know, he was really excited about all of it and what they were doing. And then all of a sudden he's diagnosed with, uh, uh, with terminal, you know, brain cancer and, you know, and then, and, and he was gone within two, two or three years from diagnosis. And it's just like one of those things where it's like, you know, you're full of hopes and dreams and then you're just clinging to life, you know, and not to be too morbid, but you just, I, that's one of the things obviously you live with that kind of thing because it's reality and I am grateful I am incredibly grateful that I get to do this I mean you know and it you know you can you can take things too far maybe you know like I do believe in the future I am excited for the future I'm not like like this may be the last day but still like <laughs> I'm really I'm really yeah. grateful you know so oh. anyway that point stressed and I uh yeah Yeah. Being an artist, but it's one of those things where it's like, you know, people who are in real estate lose their shirts too.
0: (laughs) Everyone loses their shirts, man. Everyone loses their shirts. Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah. It's like, you know, I mean, I guess, you know, you're, you're in a really stable job. You worked hard and you got it. You got a job in the iron ore business in Western Australia and you think everything's great for the rest of your life. And then, you know, it's not, you know, so it's just, it's one of those things. One of those things you just can't, you can't really count on it. So. That's
0: it. And and if you can come back from, from calamity like that, it does make you more resilient. But you the one thing I told myself is like, okay, never again. That's never going to happen to me again. And then boom, it happens again. I'm like, oh, what didn't I learn? What didn't I get out of this? You know? Um, but now it, it's it's uh the key, I think now is just yes, gratitude number one, first and foremost, being grateful for what you what you have and and being present in the moment because when you're in that position operating from that point of view and you're out of that fight or flight because there's nothing like being broke and hungry and and really just sitting on the edge and um to to put you in a position where you're not making the best decisions you're in reaction rather than thinking ahead you know what i mean and a lot yeah. of us artists you know artists are there a lot of us artists are there but the thing Been there the thing oh man the thing that gets me though is like okay okay the, the the business model is changing because I, the amount of people that are emailing me and messaging me you know as a result of well not so much the podcast but more as a result of like social media posts there or YouTube videos it's like okay how do I get into a gallery like that's the question how do I get into a gallery I'm like it's the wrong question as you're as you were just telling us there I mean okay so you look at something like uh like uh, COVID-19 or whatever grip in the world. And, 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 you know, there's this terrible pandemic and yada, yada. And, but the galleries just shut down, retail's gone. Like and it's going to be affected again. It's not like that. It's over now. It's this is going to continue. So your business model, your future can't be reliant on systems that have been established over it. The game's changed new game. Work it out. Work out the new game. And so, the thing I wanted to ask you about here. I mean, I'm looking at your website. I've got it up on the other screen here. Beautiful website, by the way, TJ. Come on, man. This is a beautiful website. So, um, I, 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 the design, slick and clean. What is this? Squarespace? Uh, it is Shopify. Shopify. My man, that's awesome. Okay. Look, so, so with 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 your website now, you know. Give us a rundown of this because you, so you've shifted from that gallery model and I can see here, I've just got to tell you right now, I'm going to pull up a a print. No, I'm not. I'm going to go to paintings. Okay. I'm clicking on paintings. And this is something that I absolutely love what you've done here is that I can pull up on your website. I can see the price. I've got a massive dude, I'd like to buy one of these. I'll tell you what.
1: <laughs> this,
0: is, this is really cool. Um, you know, and really great prices, competitive prices too. Um, you know, not too expensive, but not cheap. You know, it's achievable, it's affordable work for a painting like this. Come on, a bigger flock. Uh, what, nine by 12 inches. So I can, I, I, you've provided your phone number here to contact you if I want to ask you about the work too. Like you're available. This is nice. Right. There, there's something here. So I can I can find out anything I need to find out about the painting. So how's it been? How's the how's the response been to making this transition? And was this the kind of thing that you had to set up, you know, over the last couple of years? I mean, because you probably didn't have this going like this in 2019, did you?
1: No, not at all. Uh what no. I had going in 2019 was a um, it was a it was a, it was basically a business card online, right? You know, like mm-hmm. that's kind of that's kind of what you know it wasn't a, a tool set up to sell. Um, and it wasn't um, it wasn't really an invitation for a relationship either. It was just sort of like, hey, this is who I am. Here's my picture. here, here are my paintings, you know. and and in in my defense, like the only thing I was thinking was somebody's gonna go in and see my work at a gallery. And they're gonna look me up on Google to make sure I'm real and I want them to see, you know, hey, you know, he's he's a real artist, he's painted other paintings. So I was everything I did for the first decade of my career was to try and augment my success in galleries. That was really, mm-hmm. you know, that was really what I was doing. Um, and sort of the, you know, and I I still like again, like I don't have any animus toward these, well. Yeah, I gotta be careful here. Let me get my stories mixed up. I I am very very adamant that I never ever want to go back to like 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 I'll I'll go to a coal mine before I go back to a gallery, man. Like I am <laughs> completely done with galleries, you know. Fair
0: enough. Um, yeah.
1: So, but I was having a conversation with the gallerist and I'm like, so, like, I sent you the painting. And now I've got this customer that I know that you don't, and they wanna buy the painting. Like, is it still a 50-50 split? And she said, if it's in my gallery, it's a 50-50 split. And like, she thought that was like, somehow going to convince me to stay in her gallery. I'm like, that was like the breaking point, like the absolute breaking point. It's like, okay like wow. <laughs> like there's there's a rebellion coming i don't know how it's going to go but i got to we got to do something differently here cuz and i also have friends that are artists and you know and like they've been in the gallery model all their lives and i'm like man like i'm going to be poor forever like like legit poor forever because like cuz you just can't make it you know like you can't make it on 50% you know i don't think i don't unless you're really selling some crazy expensive work but yeah anyway yeah. i digress
0: um yeah. The, that is the, that is interesting though, TJ. Sorry to cut you off, but that that is a real interesting one that a lot of people don't realize. And I don't know of many other business models that operate like that, except for like wholesalers, but wholesalers are dealing dealing with masses of product. Whereas right. you're an artist and you're specializing, you produce one painting maybe a month or whatever, 24 over a year. Sure. And then they're gonna yeah, say, yeah, yeah. we're gonna take half. Like I I must recognize what the gallery brings to the table. But half, half of everything yeah. I do, I don't get half of everything you do. You know, it's right. like, it's like if if we're going to go 50 50, I want half of your time promoting this stuff. How about that? Right. You know, right, so right. I, I got a bad attitude.
1: Andreas, yeah, I, I hope too. you're I'm listening. Trying to, I'm trying to keep it under
0: control. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, so, go know, on, go on. Then,
1: but then there's like a, there's like a, maybe there's a price point, you know, when you're selling, you know, I don't know your work sells for a lot too. So, it, you know, maybe there's, maybe there's a place for an all the time kind of represent, you know, representation when you've got, um, you know, a 50 grand, a painting that's 50 grand or something like that. I just, I don't know. But like the the thing that I was doing was You know, my dad was a machinist and he worked 60 hours a week. And I was trying to turn, because it was all I knew, I was trying to turn the galleries into that. Like, this is how I'll somehow work all the time. I'll keep these, my employers happy, really. That was how I saw them. And I'll somehow, um, um, I'll somehow make this work, right? And like, there's going to be some big break. You know, I'm going to win this competition. Like these myths that we tell ourselves that even if it happens, like now you know even if it happened this is not it's not going to change the game you know so anyway and it, and it just it just was coming to grips with the fact that it's like you know like I am like I am not this is not what like if I want to be an artist it's going to have to be different it's going to have to be different and really what it is and it's such a beautiful thing because I, I love my customers, like, I, I love them, you know, like, I really like when I say the people who collect my work, like, you know, I, I, I was texting one guy today, you know, like, I, I really, really care about these people, these people who make this investment in me. And there's something now uh, this, this ties back into my faith and uh, being a Christian. Um, you're just creating artwork, It's just like, yeah, I want to express this, and I want to try to get the gallery to sell it, right? And you don't really see where it's going. Um, It doesn't. It doesn't really. There's just like that love of neighbor that isn't really happening in the creative process, right? And for me, a a big, huge part of this was like, like, like these paintings. I don't want to own them. I mean, I I'd like to keep a few, but like, I want this to go to someone else and I want it to bring them joy and I want it to be super high quality so that it brings their great grandchildren joy, right? I want this thing oh, to get passed right on down. And that's the cool. thing where it's like, it's just, cool. you know, yeah, yeah like, like let painting be a way of loving people instead of my vehicle for self-expression. It is <sighs> that a little bit, but like, can I, can I, Can I share this joy? Can I share this passion? And it's like there's somebody standing in the way. And it was the reps. You there, the middlemen were in the way. I didn't know those people. And as soon as they were out of the way, it's like, here they all are. Here they all are.
0: Wow. And so
1: and and the thing that I like, you know, I love to like write birthday cards and do like, you know, little drawings and things like I wish I could dedicate more time to that because these people are just amazing, you know. And so that's the thing, that's the thing, that's the biggest part of this for me is just, and you know, I, I'm sure you get this with your students and your online teaching and stuff. It's like, you're serving, you're helping, you're loving, you're giving, you know? And I feel like, like the real success is when you can find the way, cause you know, like the people like, cause I, and, and also getting rid of all that imposter syndrome. Cause it's funny, cause when you sell a $10,000 painting and the $10,000 paintings I sold I'd been snookered into a 60-40 split. So I got four grand and the gallery got six, right? Um, Yeah, it was bad, bad. So anyway, right? So, you know, it's weird. You can't really process the fact that there's somebody who is eager to trade $10,000 for your painting because you only got four and you don't know who they were, right? And so like to carve away all those layers of imposter syndrome where it's like you're not tricking somebody out of their money they're eager to trade their money for this painting. Like that's how much joy it brings them, you know? And it's worth that. Um, And so those are the things like, man, if I, like, I have, I have a couple of younger artist friends and it's just like, every chance I get, I'm on this hobby horse. And it's like, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. Um, And because then you've got lots of people who care about you instead of a few galleries where you're one of their artists that, you know, on a good week, They may think of you, but anyway, I'm rambling. So
0: not at all. No, not at all. And in fact, I want you to go back to something just then, because, you know, every one of these podcasts that I'm doing, every single one, um, there's always a takeaway and here there's multiple takeaways, but that you just said it. And I, I, I call that like, that's the nugget right there. It's a golden nugget right there. And it was, um, you know, painting for you. Uh, please repeat that. If you can remember it, I'm trying to, uh, I, when I go back and listen to this, I'm going to isolate that quote. And that might even be a, a little bit of a trailer or a clip for this podcast, but I love that. It was like painting for you is a way of loving people. Or something like that can you remember yes. what you said please i i heard that sure. and i was like that's so good remember it andrew remember it it's like that was so yeah. good to
1: to let painting be a way of loving your neighbor
0: Amazing. The, the
1: love of neighbor the love of neighbor that we are designed to express right and it's all yeah. over wherever you see yeah. goodness yeah that love mm. like instead of art being a vehicle mm-hmm. exclusively for self-expression mm-hmm. let it be a way to love people and that
0: <laughs> Amazing.
1: that like that like you know it was sort of like an engine that wouldn't start and as soon as those connections got made it's like okay this is what this is what it's about okay this is what it's about and and it's it's so much better. <laughs> think so about It's so much all the, better than navel gazing. Oh,
0: man, think about all the people that never have the opportunity to learn that lesson. You know, it
1: is uh, it's discouraged though. It's yeah. so discouraged because Why? it's like, no, only you, only express yourself. If people like people are always like, well, don't chase the market. It's like, what is the market? Are those people?
0: They're they're people. It's like, people, yeah. They're people with money. <laughs> they're people.
1: <laughs> well yeah they're people with money no 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 i i'm with, not saying i'm not
0: saying they're people with money i mean they're they're people they have some money to spend they want to buy a painting but they are people right they're, Yeah, yeah 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 they're individuals mm-hmm. They're
1: they're 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 just as important as i am and mm-hmm. they're now in my mind and in my heart and i am so happy because of mm-hmm. it like it is mm-hmm. It is just a thousand times better than what the tip the, the artist model is. Like, um, you're so like complicated and genius that you need like a team of representatives to like explain you to the world and sell your art, right? You know, like you're Van Gogh, like Van Gogh, everybody thinks Van Gogh is the only artist that ever lived. Like nobody, nobody got along with him. He didn't get along with anybody, and he was this brilliant tortured genius and you know, his paintings are amazing, so, and he didn't, and they weren't worth anything until he died, right, so all this stuff, um, it's just, it's just baloney, you know, and some people are really introverted, and they don't enjoy talking to other people, like, everybody's path is different, but I really, I love just being able to, uh, to make connections, you know, so anyway, that's the
0: Thank goodness, too, man, because, I mean, you, and again, I've said this before, I'll say it again. I learn more from this podcast than anybody. Uh I, I get more out of it than anybody. It's really is it should be called the selfish creative endeavor. Because um, but <laughs> I, I I just really hope that people hear that and they take that to heart because you know, so much of the power and the control has been given to us. Um, and we have we have really do have the reins as, as artists. But but I do want to say I I've I've dropped his name, but I've also you know, mentioned him a couple of times in episodes and and um, Andreas really is a dear friend of mine. He's he's my agent, uh, and he's he's based now in South Australia. He was the guy that took over the original gallery that I was showing with uh, in in Perth in Western Australia. It was called apple cross. Uh, at the time it was apple cross framing and fine art, and then it became Applecross fine art. Um, and so he took it over from dear friends of mine uh, who were Colin and Gay Dixon. And people might remember Colin from episode 11 or 12 of the podcast. Wonderful man. These are the only individuals I have ever found that would be willing to work with me on my terms. And the relationship was based on trust. And, and right now the relationship with Andreas is based on trust. I, I'm, I'm hiring an agent and... I would encourage anybody listening to this that if you're going to go into the gallery model, see if you can treat it as a business negotiation. Don't just be... Uh, you know, be that piece of the puzzle that will not fit in their model. So they got to build a new model. And the only way you can do that is if you've got a product that they really want to sell, or they really want to get their hands on, or they really believe in you. And fortunately, at the time, I was so blessed to have that opportunity where I met these people. And they were like, okay, we are going to make this work. And then we came together, we negotiated, we came up with the deal. And then it worked. But it's like, when you sell this painting, I want to meet the person who buys it you know and shake their hand and it was like okay cool now i get to see that person so you, then you're hiring them for a service but then this is the thing dude if they had told me we're gonna do 50 50 i walk that's it like mm-hmm. i i can't believe some of the stuff i'm hearing about from you know the east coast of australia here in new zealand the united states like 50 50 gallery model like how does that make any sense at all? Like, I mean, right now, I'm kind of giving it away a little bit. I know, uh, but but I, I won't work with anybody for more than a third. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And and, but but this really does take negotiating. But we really do have a lot of power and control in that circumstance if you, you you've been able to kind of get out there and do it online for a while, or get out there, build a body of work, improve the quality of your work, you know, because I could see galleries kind of going, all right, TJ, I don't, I don't care. Let, let's talk, man. Let, let's make this work. And if, if an agent has any sense at all, they're like, I can sell that. So what do we need to do to make this happen? How can I represent you? You know, I, cause I, that's a product I want to sell. And it's a, it's a game. It's a business at the end of the day. I just don't yeah. understand. It doesn't make any, any sense. And I don't understand why more artists don't just kind of play with it. The only reason that the gallery makes any sense for me is just, I, I just don't have time. So I need to pay somebody for their service to actually go sure. and do that. Um, I wish I had more time. That might change things. But I've only, like right now, there's only one person in the world that I would work with on that level. And that's Andreas. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, he's my brother in Christ as well. He's a wonderful man. Uh, he's a good friend of mine. and And he's just... He's got his values uh, in check and, you know, uh, he's, he's just a, a good ethical guy, loyal, you know, awesome. And it's, it's just it's kind of rare these days to find that, I suppose. But so I, I wanted to just throw that in there and qualify that because when people hear me kind of teasing him a bit behind his back or publicly on the <laughs> podcast, I'm, I'm nipping at yeah. his heels to make sure, wait, <laughs> I'm watching you, <laughs> but yeah, I, love right, right, right. I love him.
1: I love him. Yeah. And, and, that, and that's why I say I, I don't like I have I still have, you know, um, good connections with people that were in the galleries that I worked with. And yeah. um, and it's one of those things where, you know, they didn't they didn't come up with the model. You know, I don't know where this came from, but they inherited it. And, you know, if you've got 50 artists that are happy to do the 50 50 split, and one guy who's saying, wait a minute, I don't want to do this. I mean, like, what are they going to do? They say, well you know, we won't sell your paintings then, you know, and and that's fine. Um, But I don't like, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want, I don't want anybody to think that I have any bad feelings. It's just how, it's just how that model works. You know, it's minimum wage or whatever. It just is what it is. So.
0: But I tell you, Um, man, after spending that long on a painting and the gallery saying, no, it's 60, 40, by the way, we're the 60, come on yeah yeah <laughs> sorry man I don't mean to rub salt in the pretty... wound there but it's like come on
1: <laughs> yeah it's still it still hurts It still hurts. But it's <laughs> one of those things once you're free once you're free from it it's like yeah wow you know the birds yeah. start singing and the sun comes out from behind the clouds it's like
0: whoa <laughs> freedom <laughs> yeah
1: exactly exactly so awesome um, awesome
0: yeah Listen, TJ, it'd be, it be an absolute crime to have you on the podcast and not ask you how you do it. All right. So uh, I've seen some posts from you on Instagram, uh, some reels and things. And as I was looking at these, I was going, oh, my goodness. There's a materialistic kind of uh, oh, terrible word, I know, but that like quality of the material, your manipulation of Oil paint as a physical substance. You have found some cool ways of applying paint, brother. It's not just like a palette knife or a paintbrush or something. That you're going beyond. Like I saw a wire brush in there, a, a squeegee. Uh, t- tell me a, a little bit about your your approach to to handling the material and your experimentation, because clearly that's a huge part of your artistic practice. Oh
1: yeah. Oh, thanks for that. I just uh, the there's a little there's a little bit of a transition for me. So, like starting off, you know, I think almost invariably we paint thinly, right? Like really, you know, washes and you wipe things out, and this doesn't look good, so you erase it and that sort of thing. And got to a certain point, probably um, it's probably about 2017. And it just, I've been painting for, for seven years professionally. I started painting a decade before that, where it's just like, um, starting to feel a little bit more comfortable with the process. And, uh, I did this big waterfall painting and I did the strokes, um, across on the water with a lot of thick paint. It was, you know, track marks that catch a lot of glare and all the mist and shadows of the river um, behind did with really thin paint. This is the first time I remember this and, um, you know, softened it out. And it just had all of a sudden when it was lit from above, it looked like real water moving in the shadow, you know, and just sort of that feeling of like there's something there's a there's an element here that I can bring to this where I can try to describe. Um, I can try to describe the actual feeling of the thing um, that I'm painting. And I think uh, a lot of experimenting with the river, like, you know, the first thought, how do you paint transparent water? The first thought is with transparent paint, right? And then all of a sudden it's like, but, you know, if you run into the water, it stops you, right? So maybe my mind needs to see something really thick that's going to you know i can't get through it easily right you can't run in water quickly um and so all that you know just really playing out these ideas led to uh, varied paint application and, and it was you know long journey to get to uh squeegees and trowels and all that but i think that might have even been uh I was able to go to a, a retrospective show of T. Allen Lawson's work um, and just see the texture of his paintings and trying to figure out like different ways to put the paint on. Um, and so I had this sculpting, this is back in 2018, I guess. I had this, you know, from uh, one sculpting class, I had all these clay manipulating tools. So I started playing with those. Then I was in the hardware store and I picked up that squeegee and I thought, you know, I'll bet like there's something I can do with this. And you seen I've seen some artists do some tricks with it online. So let me go play with that. And then just basically um, any abstract painting that I can get in person with and see, I'm really studying because they're, you know, the good ones are all about texture and design, you know, they're not trying to represent anything. And so how do I take those pieces of, um, that beautiful abstract, you know, just like it's, it's a texture that you can feel and how do I incorporate that into my, it's not realism, but representational art. Uh, and so that, that has led to, um, I came up with this thing and I don't, I don't practice it religiously anymore, but where I'd set a timer on my phone and every 15 minutes I would switch tools, but I wouldn't switch passages. You know, I wouldn't be like, okay, you know, I'm using a big brush for this and I'm going to switch to a small brush, but I'm going to switch places in the painting. I'd keep going with that passage, with that small brush, where you pick up a palette knife, and you paint for 15 minutes with the palette knife. And it just really helped like force me like there's a different way to put on paint, you know, and it, you know, just sort of exercises.
0: And uh that's, that's so awesome. I just gotta say that's so, I've never heard of it yeah. that before. That's so awesome. Sorry to cut you off, please. Well, I don't,
1: I don't, I I don't think, I mean, I just kind of came up with that out of desperation. You know, I'm just trying to make my painting better. And um, so there's that, and then the uh a, a real big blessing for me has been, uh, I use whole, Holbein paint. Um, they of course manufactured in Japan They're I'm, you know, distributed uh, all over the world, um, but their quick dry white, just it sets up so quickly that um, I'm able to get layers of paint that look, you know, when I look at them, compared to work that I was doing before, it'd been like weeks to build up that much texture and I'm doing it in a few days. And I, that also comes from looking, I love, 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 love George Carlson, um, Mm. who was a sculptor and getting familiar with his work, just love his work. And so trying to get all those raw passages of of paint. And I don't know if he uses anything but brushes, but there's just so much of a, a sculptural quality to his paints. And so, but he's, as far as I know from like the, the word of mouth, like the word on the street is that he paints a couple paintings a year and he's just, you know, doing one layer at a time for months and months and months. And I'm, you know, I just don't, I paint more quickly than that. And so the quick dry white has really allowed me to um, it's really, it's really complemented the way I want to paint. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's a lot of the the tool the tool stuff basically you just you get to a certain point in a painting and it's as far as you know to go like technically it's the right drawing it's the right color it's the right value and then the rest is sort of like feeling your way in the dark you know like I guess it's like that last 30 percent and we're all capable of it like I think that I don't want to spook any students, you know, be like, well, you know, it really is this sort of, you know, inner thing that maybe you haven't maybe you don't like, I think everybody's capable of it, but it's just one of those things where you just have to keep going and going and going until it feels right. And that's one of those things. I, I have a, at least in my painting style, that idea of like, you overwork the painting or you, um, you have to stop now because maybe you'll ruin it you know yeah, that was yeah. very liberating to just reject that for me mm. because you know it's like like i'm the artist i made this you know i'm going to keep going until i think it's done right and if i paint like you know if i should over complicate a passage you just get a big brush and you paint it out right like like it eh. I'm not maybe explaining it too well, but that idea of like this sort of mythical, like you'll ruin a painting as it's blooming, kind of idea, and so people are afraid to go too far with a painting. And I think what ends up happening is they don't go far enough. You know, like I'm just going to push through until I think it's it's really, really done. You know, and
0: it totally that's makes it. sense. Yeah, totally makes sense. And I, and I've heard that so much as well. Like with you know, oh, leave it there. Don't go any further. Um, and my personal philosophy is, yeah, go ahead and overwork it. You, you only know where the line is by crossing it. And and a lot of my work consequently does look pretty overworked. I will be the first to admit that. Um, like Milford Sound, a lot of people saw that painting. They're like, hey, that's a really cool painting. But you get right up on that sucker and you can see each like individual little blade of grass. I went too far with it. But I, I'm looking at at work, you know, by, by George Carlson, as you were saying, and, and T. Allen Lawson. And and you and and artists like Paquette or Stephanie Page Thompson, I'm looking at you guys, and I'm like, I really need to loosen the heck up. <laughs> you know, so I, I, <laughs> I and and I think this is the thing by being exposed to other artists and hearing about their philosophy and, and their approach to even just the craft of painting or materials, it's it, it's like another little signpost on that road for us on our own personal creative journey, and 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 it's a and it's so informative. And and this is the thing I love about talking to other artists, and particular artists that are open, you know, and want to have that conversation, is that that it gives you this opportunity and permission to just go into new territory and and shine and develop. And and I I feel that, that that is really, you know, that's my role as an artist to help whoever I can, whenever I can, because I can, and I, and I, I love that. But but right. I, this is what I love about connecting with others too, because as I said before, man, I'm learning more than anybody. I mean, I, I'd never heard of that before, for instance, like there, there's, there was another nugget just there. I love that idea. I, I had thought of some videos here, uh, the uh, ideas for videos that were silly challenges. And I was trying to think of challenge videos that all related to time in one certain way, in in one way or another, they related to time. And so the first one was like, how long can I paint for? Like, what's, what's the longest single sitting on a painting I can do? How long did you make it? 24 hour period. Dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch it. It's on YouTube and it's stupid. Okay. And, 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 and so it was painted like through an entire sleep cycle, the whole thing. I stayed in the studio working on a painting for 24 hours straight. And I and, and, I, and I took, a, I was allowed brief breaks, like five minutes or whatever. I allowed myself to just go like, so my studio at the time was on the, on the main street of a town called Lawrence in the South Island, New Zealand. And I, 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 the, the right next door was the corner store. And I was like, okay, it's, it's like 1030 at night stores about to close. I'm going to go get a cup of coffee and keep going. And I, then I burned through the rest of the night. So I hope that still qualifies me, but I, I, you know, it's my challenge. So I, I, <laughs> I say it still counts, but, um, but th- what you just had there was an excellent, you know, brilliant, never heard of that before. I'm going to change painting implements every every uh, 15 minutes. Now, the thing that I love about that is that you are forcing the situation in your studio, forcing that learning experience by pushing yourself into uncomfortable territory. Mm -hmm. And I think that putting pressure, you know, whether it's pressure of a deadline or external pressure or whatever, pressure has a potential to do one of two things it will either make you or break you. And this is that's just such a beautiful example of running into some new territory of going far out, I discovered something here. I and by setting up the circumstances as an experiment, just going, I'm just gonna I love that man. I love that. I think it's such a wonderful idea. Um, so if I I, I promise you this right now, between me and you, if I ever take that idea and do that on YouTube, I'm gonna call it the TJ Cunningham Challenge. <laughs>
1: Okay. <laughs> All right. But well, uh, only with yeah. your
0: permission, brother. Only with your permission. Because I just think oh no, a, go for it. I yeah. think it's a wonderful idea. And and it's obviously the results have been extraordinary. But that quick drying white as well. What let me ask you, just on, on, on the technical front, what is the do you know what the drying agent is in that? And what is the chemical compound of that white?
1: I think it's an alkyd.
0: And so alkyd. perfect.
1: Okay, alkyd is the alkyd, alkyd, and so um, that means there's solvent in it because mm-hmm. I guess in order for you know alkyd is like the consistency of tar, so they have to put quite a bit of solvent in. It. So the drawback, um, the drawback for a quick dry paint is that they they stink like solvents. So I you know, you know that I I may you know, I may have to get better ventilation at some point, but I did get. Well, it's always a give and take because I got rid of my, uh, my mineral spirits. Good. Um, you know, so I've got that evaporating, but then I picked up this quick dry white. So it's, uh, you know, it always finds a way back in, but (laughs) anyway, it, it really is, you know, it'll like in a three hour session, your first mixtures are starting to get really stiff, you know? And I just, I love that. And there's something to that. I, I just heard from uh, another artist, Sue Lyon, um, that fashion would put his paints on a cardboard to soak all the oils out of them. And, you know, of course, that make them stiffer and less mm. glossy and all of that. And looking at his paintings and like all those raw, you know, textures that he would get out of it you can see how that's coming into play all that dry brush you know and so the my paint starting to set up and dry on me as I'm painting I just love it I just you know I just love it and I do paint in layers like I don't have the whole um you know if it you know if you'd painted this like the whole purist thing like I used to be you know because when you're a student you just are like you think this is the way you do it and if you're not doing it this way it doesn't matter if it's good painting you're doing it wrong right like a lot of that's kind of I get that vibe, you know, and it's like, so a la prima from life, one sitting, that's how you paint. And like, you know, nah, <laughs> like now it's just like, who cares? You know, I like, I don't, I don't have any, like, you know, you really can't cheat your way to a good painting. I mean,
0: that, that oh, wow. Okay. You know. Boom. Another nugget. Right, man, I hope people are writing these down. This, you're, <laughs> this is great. Yeah. And One-liners, it
1: might...
0: man. You can make it a 30-second podcast. I made a new idea. Imagine how many podcasts I could get through. But look, um, I, I it's interesting as well, like, like being a purist about your approach, you know, I just talking to Virgil Elliott on the podcast, I just recorded a conversation with him yesterday. And it was kind of like, mm. you know, he was, he was saying, I can't remember exactly how he said it word for word. But it was like, why are you out there trying to paint like sergeant? Sergeant already has you whipped. Like, like, you know, oh, yeah. th- there, there's a, there's a way that he did it. That was his way of doing it, you know, and people have this idea. Oh no, you have to do it like this. You have to do-. listen at the end of the day, what are we doing? We're pushing colored mud around on a piece of cloth with a stick with a bunch of hair sticking to the end of it. Turn that brush around, use the other end of the brush. You, you, you can apply marks, whatever way you can think of, you know, right.
1: I, you know as I, long as as long as you're using good enough like um you know like if you do if you do uh i mean you can do things that'll lead to cracked paintings or paint that sure. doesn't stick and you know yeah. like you can there there are certain parameters for application
0: cause um and i course, do yeah.
1: yeah i do pay attention to like the 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 fat over lean and all of that you know i'm pretty i've gotten pretty careful about that and i also do all of my paintings on rigid, Boards. I don't do any stretch canvases ever, um, anymore. Right. So there are, there, there are stretch canvases out there, but I stopped making those back, mm-hmm. um, probably 2015 or so. I just okay. was done with those, um, because they all expand and contract much more than a panel wall. And it's interesting. If you go to a museum, those Renaissance paintings, they're painted on panels look great. You know, like they're mm-hmm. 500 years old and they look great. Um so anyway I do all my work on panels which gives me a little bit more confidence that all this crazy thick paint won't crack you know in the next uh, I mean I want them to last forever obviously so mm-hmm. um but but yeah the, the the thing with another like just you know like really pivotal moment for me was finally coming to I am my favorite artist And when I'm looking at Sargent, you know, I won't say I'm better than Sargent, but I'm more interested in what I'm doing than what Sargent was doing. And anything that, you know, any of these other artists are doing is something that I'm just going to take and try to apply to what I'm doing, you know, and that sort of that sort of broke me free from that whole, like I open Alla Prima and I'm trying to paint just like Schmidt and I close Alla Prima and I get on the web and I see, you know, Casey Baugh and I'm trying to paint just like Casey Baugh, like, like that sort of like, um, I always think of uh, Johnny Depp and the, the spinning compass, you know, like, I don't know which way to go. I love all these artists and I don't know, like, like all of that is like, yeah. you're, you're bringing in all of that to your style. Um, and of course, like museums are hugely, hugely important in that to just go and see. I have I mean, like the first time seeing a like we we went my wife and I um, went to the Met and then we went to the Clark and then we went to the Boston Museum of Fine Art like all in one little road trip and just. It was neat to see Sargent's style evolve from his early work to his later work, went to the Isabel Stewart Gardner Museum as well. And he had like one of his last portraits is there. You can just see like his evolution, like Sargent didn't paint like Sargent for too long. You know, <laughs> <Like> <laughs> he was on a path too.
0: Yeah, um, yeah.
1: If you get what I mean, like he had really polished, you know, careful paintings and then he had really broad, you know, is more like sort of trademark what people think of when they think of Sargent. But just to pick all that up and um anyway, not not feel like you have to to uh, base your own style on someone else's style.
0: I I I love that as well. Like I, I must admit, I I kind of did cringe a little bit when you said that. Not not you know, but but I totally get what you mean. It's like I am my favorite artist. And the the bit in me that cringes is like I I okay, how about this? I like I I want to believe that. I desperately want to be that, but but I, I I'm not. And but I then I just kind of go. Well, I I dare not even think that thought because how, how egotistical of me. But that's not what you're saying at all. It's no, it's yeah. No. And I and I, I, <laughs> I so that's uh, I'll, I'll put that to one side. But I I um and not to put words in your mouth. But I mean that's just the way I kind of initially reacted to it. But that is again just brilliant. TJ because you know when when we get too caught up in in fixating on a particular way uh, that that one artist did things and we just focus right. on that you kind of you kind of lose the plot a little bit I tell you where I find it, and I pick up the thread of that for for myself artistically. Is I go, okay, what is the standard? What is the objective standard of beauty? What is that thing that I'm trying to chase? You know, is there an hmm. objective standard of beauty? And and I I think by and large there is because I think most people will look at a landscape or a creation you know by the the work of the master artist himself you know the 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 right the, right the, the 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 chief of all master artists I mean he created nature and so I'm looking at this thing going okay that's pretty cool all right that's the standard right there how close sure. to that can I get on a two-dimensional thing to 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 honor that and 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 you know kind of communicate that which I'm seeing in, in front of me and um That's what I really um, what I try to focus on, and then out of that comes my my style. And 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 I, you know, it's kind of like you you have a recognizable style now. Like I I can see there's a consistency, but there's something coming through because you're in it, and you can't remove yourself from the process because you made that image. But to me, and 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 you correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, this is something that I've been thinking about a lot because I get a bunch of people asking me, "How do I find my style?" I'm like, "Don't worry about it." What do you want to paint? Right. Focus on that. Your style will come about naturally. Don't focus on the style. The style will come. Just paint. Just paint right. and love it.
1: That's uh, that's in the beginning of uh, John F. Carlson's Guide to Landscape Painting. It's just, you know, students shouldn't worry about style. It, it's like handwriting. You know, just just paint for four months every day from life and you'll have a style. Just like that. So yeah, and the, and the idea with choosing to be my favorite artist um is 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 an idea as a teacher that I want to communicate to my students too. Cause it's not we can just get totally overwhelmed by perceiving how much better someone else is at X or whatever. Like they're just really, really good. And you can see the tremendous distance between your ability to create work and their ability to create work and it's easy to get uh discouraged by that it's easy to feel like well then you just need to copy it and then you feel like you're just copying them and you can see like you can see like the really well-known artists that have you know sort of like these rings around them of all these people who are trying really hard to look like you know that artist right um and and it's, it's much more, I'm most interested in what I'm doing. I'm because I have agency, I'm most interested in what I'm doing. And, and then just um, for my students too, like, like, you, you paint for the next I've been painting for 15 years, you paint for the next 15 years, you're going to look totally different. Like the the where you'll go because we're all so unique so i guess i guess that's the thing like just to not try not try to be um you know uh, a tribute to Sargent or a tribute to soroya or um you know whatever you know mm-hmm. whatever artist it is because it's you know it's better just to be in love with what you're doing and not feel like you somehow oh like you have to try to um, you have to try to mimic these other artists, and even if, like, even the five people that may try to be mimicking me, or maybe there are three of them—I don't know. Like, like it's just we're all on our own journey. You know what I mean? Mm. So, mm. anyway, I hope that hope that clarifies that.
0: Absolutely, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's always interesting, you know, hearing other artists' take on that whole thing. Um, especially you know accomplished painters like yourself you know that that have that have found that and and also just you know reflecting on it because i again it just reminds me of those early years when i first started painting just going who am i what do i want to be and it does take time it's 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 interesting as well like and i think this is the exciting thing for a lot of the young artists that are coming up now is that they have the beauty or the ability of being able to be exposed to more art and artists. You know, I, I, yeah. I think, okay, well, there's a, there is a downfall there to maybe not being able to go into as many galleries or museums as, as we used to, or uh, maybe just the nature of just traveling in general. You don't expose to as much art and culture as, as we once were maybe, you know, just a, a couple of short years ago. But online you know, you can come across all these people. So my hope is that people will continue to branch out, get exposed to more art online, and then they'll hear that one thing as well, is that, and and really pay attention and take home the, you know, these takeaways here, um, so they can start this journey right for themselves, learn from all the mistakes, learn from all the stuff that worked, and learn from all those mistakes, you know, the things that didn't, and then maybe they can get yeah. a bit further along, you know? Yeah,
1: like take take time off their journey. Like that's that's the idea I love as a teacher where you're just like, it took me five years to figure this out. If you listen carefully, it's going to take you 10 minutes to figure it out. You can skip those five years of searching, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Just get farther down the trail, get farther down the trail, you know? And it's one of those things where art is so unique. It's so like, I love right now, I think like my favorite, my favorite, like I'm I'm double crossing myself here, but like the artists that I look at and I'm just like, wow. Wow! I wish I could paint like this. Is uh, don't is, worry, man. I'll uh, I'll
0: teach you how. I'll teach you how. It's I, fun. <laughs>
1: you got it, man. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry. No, carry on. I'm yeah, just a- It was the perfect. It was perfect. Uh, Heinrich Zügel. Heinrich Zügel. Are you familiar with huh. Zügel?
0: I'm gonna look him up right now. Okay, give me that name. Give me that name.
1: So Heinrich Heinrich Zügel, and he's a little bit obscure. When you see it, you'll know why. Like not why he's obscure, but why I love him and uh so his german artist died in munich in 1943 so literally the entire world was fighting with his nation when he died in munich right of old age i think um so he just you know for some reason he's just not as famous as well known like you just don't hear his name um But his work is just astounding to me, like absolutely astounding to me. So I look at it and, but the thing is like, I can paint sheep with my whole heart for the next however many years, and I can look at his paintings and be inspired by them. But I'm still, I'm never going to paint like that. You know, I'm never going to be able to paint like that. And if I'm honest with myself, there are things like if this were my painting, I would, I would change this or I would change that you know like you just look at other work so. um, With students, I think when you're studying when you're learning like how important it is to realize that you're just you're just kind of taking you're taking pieces of all these things and putting them together, at least that's how it's worked for me so.
0: Uh, that's a that that's a new name, and I've I've just pulled up his work now. Heinrich Zugel, uh, Z U G E L. Heinrich Zugel, mm-hmm. uh, amazing work. This is really reminds me. I've seen painters that have got a similar kind of signature brushwork and style but you know munnings comes to mind um munnings, hans ha- yeah, yeah, ha- yeah. hans heisen from from australia comes to mind um but just extraordinary uh lucy kemp welch is is another one um but extraordinary paintings I this guy was not on my radar at all thank you for for another another name here I'm I'm gonna have to get a file going on this guy but I I totally get what you mean as well like it's it's super inspiring stuff but I you know I find myself doing this all the time TJ which is you know looking at, at, at an artist's work from the past and then going yeah i love it it's a beautiful painting man i'd love to live with a painting like that extraordinary maybe even do a master copy well what what is it about this work and then going but I, but i don't like this bit and then feeling a little bit bad about that because i think what we tend to do is we tend to put these artists from the past on a pedestal and right. and a bit they they almost become like a like an idol in a way we need to watch out for that right but but we we, but by by putting them on a pedestal and lifting them up to this almost this deity type status and then putting ourselves look at what we do with da Vinci right but I I don't I don't look at da Vinci's work and get inspired I'm not inspired by the Mona Lisa I'm not I'm not I don't (laughs) I don't particularly like it I mean I understand it's a valuable painting there he said it everybody the Mona Lisa sucks, man. come on, it's, it's a ter- no no, it's not a terrible painting, but I, and I'm not going to say I could paint it better. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. It has nothing to do with ability. I just I don't have that in the portrait file of portraits that really inspire me. I don't. Uh, it just oh, doesn't, sure, yeah. it doesn't give me the 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 goosebumps that some of the other paintings out there do. But what is it about that? Just because do we forget that these were people? They're people. They're fallible. They're human beings. Probably most of them were really unpleasant. You wouldn't want to spend any time with them. But they're just people. Oh,
1: Confession,
0: yeah. Fa- What's Confession? <laughs> oh, don't tell me about have that. Have you ever read fashion.
1: his life story? No. Like, <laughs> oh, he—he was—he was a—he was, was a piece of work, man. Like. Oh. Oh, yeah, he was. Are. Did you not? not my, you didn't know that? No, he was. Uh, he not was, my uh,
0: fetching. No, come on. Oh, man, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I said too much. But that's But this I'm is sure. what I'm talking about, is you build up an image in your mind of what these people were like. And it's like, you know, Rodin was a piece of crap. Like he produced some amazing work. But the guy was a brute, you know, apparently. Yeah, I bet Vincent mm-hmm. Van Gogh was really not nice to be around. And he probably smelled a bit, honestly. And and yeah, you had to you yeah. had to sit on the right side of him, otherwise he couldn't hear a dang thing you were saying, you know. So <laughs> I I just I I don't know but what is it about that that, that we're we're so afraid? Uh, to me, I I feel like it stifles our development by putting these people on a pedestal because it's like, oh, they could do no wrong. Like I love Jules Bastian LePage, for for instance, you know,
1: mm. his his
0: his painting, the potato gatherers, is sublime, it's absolutely beautiful. Um, there is one painting that he did. I think it's called the Apparition. and it's a painting of two shepherds being, you know, having this encounter with an angel and the angel's wing, it goes right out the top left corner, like literally lined up out the top left corner. Now, there's a few compositional rules that I try to follow because you know the edges of the canvas, for instance, are vectors. They're lines of force or sight when you're looking at the bounds of a painting you're aware you're looking at a painting so those edges become a line of force and they can either work for you or against you but when you draw attention to an edge or a corner suddenly you're no longer looking at the painting your eye goes right off the edge of the painting and i'm looking at that going dude why'd you go and do a dang thing like that you know but this sure. is lepage you know i'm looking at him going, or lepage i don't know i'm i'm terrible with french but you know what why would you go and do that but I, here i am thinking how dare you how dare you say that sure. about another artist
1: you know? but that's what's really fun like it would be fun to go to a museum together and just go through the whole thing and just, say what we like
0: and say what we don't
1: you just know bag like, them
0: out I mean, bro just bag yeah. them out
1: but it's it's good to be able to do that because we're we're individuals you know like yeah, apparently he, he 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 wanted to do it that way anyway yeah i i love i love doing that i love you know Especially, you know, if they're dead and you know, there's no, there's no hurt feelings. <laughs> they're they're long gone. They're not worried about this anymore. You know, just yeah. just say it like it is. Um,
0: uh, Could you imagine going to Da Vinci's opening? Hey Da Vinci, you suck. <laughs> yeah, right. I think that's uh, I think that's what
1: Michelangelo did, or maybe Da Vinci <laughs> did it to Michelangelo. Like they had they had quite a bit of uh, yeah rivalry. Yeah. Those two.
0: Yeah, we thought the french impressionists were bad with each other but you know some of those renaissance guys my goodness yeah pretty intense intense people intense time yeah listen man i could i could geek out with you about art all day this has been such a treat talking with you i've learned so much i got a i got a new name there that i could put in the file you know, a few takeaway quotes and stuff. Before we we tie a little bow around this, Let, let I, I just want to ask you, what's next for you? What are some of the things that you're really excited about? What are some of the things that you're exploring with your art, some directions you want to go in your career? What's on the horizon for T.J. Cunningham?
1: Wow. So I have... Um, you yeah, I'm really I'm really kind of in the middle of this vein of, of livestock that I've just I'm I'm loving it. I'm absolutely loving it. So there are uh there are a few larger paintings that I'm excited about doing, you know. I most of my paintings uh recently have been sort of mid-sized to small. So I'm I'm excited about, you know, I've got some compositions lying around the studio now that are going to get translated into some larger work. And then uh, there's one that you know i've I've been um, there's a uh, a few that I'd love to do of you know uh, you're it's a bird's eye view, but you're looking down on one of the great birds of prey soaring birds and down at the landscape past the bird. So it's a little bit, you know that the idea admittedly came from Wyeth's painting soaring, Andrew Wyeth's painting soaring. but andrew Wyatt, yeah look it up andrew wyatt's painting soaring um he though like wyatt that you know um wyatt is funny because it's like uh, no matter what no matter what he painted you you look at his paintings and it feels like andrew wyatt specifically you it feel does. like somebody's just yeah. just about to get murdered it's always like someone has just been <laughs> someone has just been murdered or is just about to be like there's always creepy music playing. <laughs> it's like, it's like cows in a farmyard, but like
0: what's worth that, dude?
1: Something's about to happen. Yeah. Um, it's a funny thing with Andrew Wyatt. So anyway, I'm you know, I'm not at all like him, but I love that composition. I love that idea. So there are a few, um, there are a few paintings like that that hopefully someday I can, you know, I've been wanting to paint these forever. So yeah, that's next, you know. And, uh, I don't know, it's kind of a, it's kind of an adventure, you know, like something will be, you know, the sheep thing started, uh, less than a year ago. So it's just something incredibly inspiring will happen. You'll see some sort of, you know, vibration, glimmer of beauty that I hadn't noticed before. And, you know, I'll be after that. So.
0: Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, TJ, what a treat this has been. Thank you so much. For being on this episode of The Creative Endeavor.
1: Hey, well, thanks for having me, Andrew. Your work and your story and inspiration to me. So it's been a pleasure.
0: This has been the Creative Endeavor podcast. I really hope you've enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for joining me. And thank you and a big shout out to TJ Cunningham. Make sure you follow TJ on his website at Cunningham Fine Art. And he can also be found on Instagram at Cunningham Fine Art. Go follow his amazing artwork there and check out his creative journey. This guy is producing some amazing work and I will continue to follow what he's producing with great interest. Now, if you enjoyed this episode, you got something out of this, and please do me a huge favor and leave me a rating or a review on whatever podcast app you're listening on. It makes a huge difference to the show. And while you're at it, go ahead and share this with a friend and share it on social media. If you're going to put it on Instagram, then make sure you use that hashtag, The Creative Endeavor spelt with an O, U, R on the end. Thanks so much for being here. I really appreciate your company. In the meantime, if you want to find out more about me, then go ahead and find me on my website at andrewtischler.com. You'll find links to everything that I'm involved in there, all my social media, the podcast, of course, my Patreon page, everything that I'm up to. And I really appreciate it. Now, while you're at it, make sure you're also subscribed through my website. I'm in touch with my subscribers there regularly. It's been fun. Thanks for hanging out here in the studio with me. I'll see you again very soon in another episode of The Creative Endeavor.